Hey, this is Big Rev. Thanks for tuning in to Masterclass Theology, a weekly podcast where we study books of the Bible a verse at a time and apply it to our lives. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Let's rock. Welcome to Masterclass Theology. I am Big Rev. And I'm Pancho. What a great honor we have today, and I'm so glad that Pancho is part of our team now, and we will be moving forward. And uh, I, I got to recommend, if you haven't listened to, to the earlier episodes that Pancho and I have recorded, we recorded one on Simon Peter and one on Peter. Same guy, but they're entitled two different things. And they, in terms of our stats, are still climbing up the chart. I believe Simon Peter still ranked our third most listened to episode of all time, which is amazing. But so glad to have my friend Pancho with me today. Let me open us up in a brief word of prayer, and then we will journey forth. God, thank you so much for your word. It is an honor to be able to study it and to be able to discuss um, this, this, these wonderful verses with my with my dear friend Francisco here. And so, so grateful for Pancho on our journey today. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, Pancho. So where, where did we decide we wanted to go this fall? So we're going to do kind of like character studies, we figured, and we were going to start with Solomon. So we're reading the book of First Kings. All right. So I have this. So if you've never journeyed to the book of First Kings before, then uh, yeah. So probably we'll entitle this episode like First Kings 1 because we're going to be all through chapter 1. But those of you who have paused the video or paused the, the audio right now and you have turned to First Kings 1, you realize, oh my goodness, Big Rev and Pancho. A lot of verses to get through. So let's just journey on here. We start with verses one to four. And, and you'll notice here that it starts, you know, to get, we haven't got, we got to get Solomon on the throne. He's not yet on the throne. So the, the, the first and second Samuel kind of deal with the early king years. You've got, you've got King Saul and largely King David. But now we got to get um, David's boy on the throne. When King David was old and well advanced in years, he could not keep warm even when they put covers over him. So his servant said to him, let us look for a young virgin to attend the king and take care of him. She can lie beside him so that our Lord, the king may keep warm. Then they searched throughout Israel for a beautiful girl and found Abishag, a Shunammite, and brought her to the king. The girl was very beautiful. She took care of the king and waited on him, but the king had no intimate relations with her. So... So, Pancho, what are your thoughts about these? this opening section talking about David? So, obviously, David's getting kind of old, and towards the end of his reign, what I found interesting reading this was, so David, and I guess to preface a little bit, this is my first time reading First Kings, other than the chapters I've studied a little bit for, for what we have coming up, but, so, you might have to fill me in on some things. Uh, David had multiple wives, yes, and concubines and stuff. He, he had like a harem, but here at the end of his life, they find him specifically, they look for a beautiful uh, girl for him, but the king uh, does not know her or have sexual relations with the thing which version you're using with her. So is that uh, kind of like part of David's repentance or is changing his life? Because usually if you look for a hot young girl for the king, you would expect them to be adding her to the harem or something, but here you see him saying, "No, it's just for, for I guess her job. You know, she's got a job to keep it warm." But I thought that was kind of interesting, knowing that you know his history that this is where he's kind of ending it. Yeah, I, I think there's a tension there that 
David is on the decline. Some of these symptoms you've got, he has, are just kind of maybe like he's near death. And I would imagine the common person reading this would say exactly what you said. Is this his newest concubine? Because certainly they're picturing kind of skin on skin contact there to warm somebody up. That's how kind of intimate, you know, and, but maybe he just can't, um, he's not able to, uh, to, to take advantage of the situation. Maybe, maybe he's unwilling, maybe he's just unable. I don't know it. I would say that this, um, this is presenting kind of like this great David, this man among men on the decline. And this is the time before, um, erectile dysfunction medicine and so it's not like i mean may, maybe they're trying to see if, if david has one last hurrah i don't know but i would say this doesn't paint david very manly he's just kind of feeble yeah yeah and, put it. i'm just saying but I, I thought that they pointed that out very specifically like they found him a beautiful girl but he did not know her like made it very clear so it's important right i i, I don't know if this is a matter of hey he's just being you know faithful to his wives or or he's just unable it, it almost just seems like he's gotten to that point he's got uncontrollable shivers and he's yeah. not he's not sleeping with the next woman in his bed kind of thing i don't know it's beyond that it's hard to say it's just it's just not a very pretty sight for, for king david so we kind of go from a declining david to um, in, in fact I, I would say in terms of first and second samuel and coming into First Kings, I would say that the natural thoughts on the reader's mind would be: so is he going to be able to get his guy on the throne? And here, we're, here we're worried about who's in his bed, but he's got to get his boy on the throne, otherwise, what the heck? So we go to the 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 enthronement of Solomon, and kind of takes over the rest of chapter one of First Kings. So go to verses five to ten. We kind of have an attempted coup here. Now Adonijah, whose mother was Hagith put himself forward and said, I will be king. So he got chariots and horses ready with 50 men to run ahead of him. His father had never intervened with him by asking, why do you behave as you do? He was also very handsome and was born next after Absalom. Adonijah conferred with Joab, son of Zeruiah, and with Abiathar the priest, and they gave him their support. But Zadok the priest, Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, Nathan the prophet, Shimei and Rei and David's special guard did not join Adonijah. Adonijah then sacrificed sheep, cattle, and fattened calves at the stone of Zoholet near En-Rogel. He invited all his brothers, the king's sons, and all the men of Judah who were royal officials, but he did not invite Nathan the prophet or Benaiah or the special guard or his brother Solomon. Oh my goodness. So what's going on here, Francisco? So, like, reading this, uh, it sounds like everyone's in on it, first of all, except for, like, four guys he named, like, all the courts seem to be going along with it. He even has one of the priests, some of the guards, it's just not the personal bodyguards. So, it sounds like it's pretty official, like, Adonijah's going to get what he wants. And just looking back, too, reading this the first time, what I stood out to me was that uh, his father had never disciplined him. So that's, you know, obviously David's a great man of God, but we all have our failings. And maybe this is one of them where he could have disciplined his son a little better. And it's like he never even questioned, you know, my version says, why are you doing that? Like he never questions what he's doing or 
just gets his way, you know, and this is what comes of that. And then I like that they pointed out, or I guess I don't, it made me think like uh, that he was very handsome. It made me think of Saul. You know, Saul was chosen as king because he was taller and handsome, and that's what the people wanted. And I just thought it was interesting, at least, that they made sure to point that out too in, in, the, in the text that they do with Asenaisha. And then, you know, I will make myself king. That's something we all live with. That's our biggest uh, struggle in, in this world as sinners. We all try to make ourselves king of our lives, and it doesn't work out for us generally. So we'll see how that goes for Adonijah. But uh, yeah, that was the main things I got. It was just, it looks like everyone's in on it, except for four or five people. Most of the court seems to be going along with it, even... Their other brothers are are citing that Nigeria who I thought was interesting. Um, any reason why? You know, they they into him or they have their support. He was he was he was next in line technically, right? He's second oldest after the right. first coup. So is it maybe it just seemed like a natural possession to them? Like, oh well, this is their second oldest brother. He will be king, so we'll just go along with it. Yeah, we we see this happen in politics sometimes, where a certain political person will rise up. And they kind of had this, well, it's my turn. And I mean, this Adonijah here, he's, he's collecting everybody, but notably um, the, the, the main prophet. And we, we remember from the, you know, the early days of David and Saul, it was the prophet Samuel that was anointing Kings. And that, that was the one who was saying God's chosen method of anointing a King was using his prophet. And that was one of the main roles of a prophet was, was to anoint the next king. And now the number one prophet, Nathan, he's the one being shown mm. the door. So it, it's almost as if we're going to do what is whatever right in my own eyes. But we want to take God out of the equation as much as possible. So we got we do collect a couple of the priests, but a major priest and a major prophet are not there. And so, okay, I was wondering about that because I, mean, I was going to bring it up a little later in this chapter, but it's not as official, I guess, as when they do Solomon's with oil and, and Nathan and stuff. It's just like, yeah, we'll run through this. I'm going to be king. But it looks, getting into the text as we go forward, like it's not like officially sanctioned. They don't have everything that is required. But he did collect the Supreme General of the Army, and he does have a priest on his side. So maybe he's thinking, I've got my pieces in place. And, but like you said, I love how you pointed that out, Poncho. It's like, I, I will make myself king. It's like, this is about me. Um, I, I remember, I still remember these words. Um, our, our middle school principal substitute taught one day, Mr. Fancher. And he, he got up there in front of the class. He held up his fingers and he said, 10 words, class. And he, as he said each word, he put a finger up. He said, if it is to be, it is up to me. And then he just kind of dropped the mic and sat down. And we were all and we were all terrified of Mr. Fancher. He was our principal, this scary beast, you know. And if it is to be, it is up to me. Well, that seems to be what Adonijah is doing here. It's like he's flexing and saying, I got this. I'm next in line. I'm going to arrange things. And of course, you know, theologically speaking, Mr. Fancher had it had it backwards. Because from, from a you know reformed theological or sovereignty of God standpoint, if it is to be, it is it's up to God. I mean, this is really what's going on here. So right from the beginning, God's guy, David, is a feeble wreck. And next in line is not what we're expecting to see. We're seeing someone else jump, jump up and start flexing and say, it's me, it's me, it's me. So this isn't the greatest start here. And so, but, you know, Solomon does have some people on his on his side, too. 
Um, he's got a prophet priest and he's got a general and he's, he's got basically the people that are under the protection of, of David, I would say his dad. It's like the inner court kind of like his personal yeah. bodyguard, but yeah. So, so we're not going to be surprised in the very next sec section when the guy that Adonijah, you know, gave the Heisman pose to and stay away, Nathan, he's going to jump in here because there's really only one person that should be speaking right now. And that is King David. It's like King David, keep your word, come through. And so, but Nathan did, did earlier say after the whole Bathsheba episode, the sword's not going to depart from your family. So we're going to see that we have all the mess with Absalom and now this mess with the next boy. So, all right. So 11 to 27, bigger chunk here. Then Nathan asked Bathsheba, Solomon's mother, have you not heard that Adonijah, the son of Hagith, has become king without our Lord David's knowing it? Now then, let me advise you how you can save your own life and the life of your son Solomon. Go into King David and say to him, my Lord, the king, did you not swear to me, your servant? Surely Solomon, your son, shall be king after me, and he will sit on my throne. Why then has Adonijah become king? While you are still there talking to the king, I will come in and confirm what you have said. So Bathsheba went into the aged king in his room, where Abishag the Shunammite was attending him. Bathsheba bowed low and knelt before the king. What is it you want? The king asked. She said to him, My lord, you yourself swore to me your servant by the Lord your God. Solomon your son shall be king after me, and he will sit on my throne. But now Adonijah has become king, and you, my lord the king, do not know about it. He has sacrificed great numbers of cattle, fattened calves and sheep, and has invited all the king's sons, Abiathar the priest, and Joab the commander of the army. But he has not invited Solomon your servant. My lord the king, the eyes of all Israel are on you, to learn from you who will sit on the throne of, of my lord the king after him. Otherwise, as soon as my lord the king is laid to rest with his fathers, I and my son Solomon will be treated as criminals. While she was still speaking with the king, Nathan the prophet arrived. And they told the king, Nathan the prophet is here. So he went before the king and bowed with his face to the ground. Nathan said, have you, my lord the king, declared that Adonijah shall be king after you and that he will sit on your throne? Today he has gone down and sacrificed great numbers of cattle, fattened calves and sheep. He has invited all the king's sons, the commanders of the army, and Abiathar the priest. Right now they are eating and drinking and with him and saying, long live king Adonijah. But me, your servant, and Zadok the priest, and Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, and your servant Solomon, he did not invite. Is this something my lord the king has done without letting his servants know who would sit on the throne of my lord the king after him? So he kind of just leaves with a question there. Yeah, I mean, the first time I'm reading this, and I don't recommend it. It's not like a Christian show, but before I got saved, I used to love Game of Thrones. And this is like Game of Thrones level, like political. Right? maneuvering like these guys are like just the behind the scenes of like the throne room kind of thing and it's, it's interesting just like all the kind of like backstabbing this is like you know some guys that went off with him but like kind of what we were talking about earlier when we we're reading it so he's making all the animal sacrifices he's got a priest there he's got the commander of the army but you never see like that anointing i guess like that's what kind of they don't mention it maybe the, the priest did it for him or whatever but like nathan like later on when they talk about Solomon, he does get the anointing uh, as king. And you never really see Adonijah get that. So it's kind of like he's setting up his own puppet throne. It's kind of what it seems like to me. You know, like you, I've got 
court officials, I've got some guards, I've got a priest, but it's not the real thing. It's like a, a substitute. And then he's doing it behind David's back, obviously. He's just running around, setting up his own kingdom while his father is in bed. Right. Um, what I was going to ask, but the more we've read it and talked about it, I've kind of, it's in the next section you're going to read, but I was curious, did you ever hear David actually make that vow to Bathsheba that her son will be the next king? I Again, I've, this is my first jump through the Old Testament, so I haven't read all of it, but you know, you don't see it here. Obviously, start right at the end of the, his life. But in the next couple of verses, he says, at least in the NLT, he'll say, like in verse 29, so the king repeated his vow. So it is in the text that he did make a vow. So I was at first, like, I kind of focused over here on this section. It's like, it kind of sounded to me like on my first brief, just like Nathan was kind of like getting his own hands into like some, some of the, the, the throne play, let's say, like, you know, we're setting up Solomon instead. Because he goes and tells Bathsheba, tell this to the king that he may do this vow, that your son will be next, and then I'll go and repeat it to him. But then, like I said, the next couple of verses, you see the king repeats his vow. So I'm assuming he did make the vow somewhere in some other book or some other point that Solomon would be the next king. But just like on my first read through, that kind of stuck out to me. I was like, oh, it seems like kind of like Nathan's getting into the the political intrigue of the day, let's say, and uh, maybe he knows better that Solomon will be a better choice or or something. But that was just something I, I wondered about. But then, like I said, even this morning, reading it again, I saw it says the king repeated his vow. So at some point, he must have made the vow. That kind of answered my question. And the other thing that kind of stuck out to me in that section was that, so Abiyashag is taking care of, so she's like laying next to David you know, it's her job, and Bathsheba comes in, and there's no, like, tension there. So it's just cultural practice, I guess, like you said. He's, he's just, before there was electric blankets, <laughs> uh, they had some other person lay next to you, but it seemed like there was no tension there with Bathsheba and, and the other girl, because that was, you know, thinking as a person, I was like, oh, man, you can see a little, a little tension there between the ladies, I guess. But there's no mention of that. She just comes in, she bows, she takes your case, and then uh, and Nathan does too. But again, the, the, the anointing thing really stuck out to me too, that he never had like an official feel. He's just doing his own thing on the side. Hmm. Yeah, you know, in Second Samuel, you know, you've got it's it's David's life and his he's, um, I'm just trying to look up here, what are, so David's king I'm, I'm trying. Yeah, I'm trying to see where um, where everything unfolded, but yeah, it's the idea is that Nathan, yeah, Nathan is is linking himself with Samuel, and God's chosen. It's like God's chosen ruler is going to be Samuel. Samuel is going to be the next. Or excuse me, uh, Solomon. Solomon's going to be the next one. It's in Second Samuel, because um, yeah, a son. Uh, God has a promise of David in chapter seven. You know, a, a son is going to always be on your son's always going to be on your throne, and yes, yeah, so, I mean, there's trying trying to see here exactly where it's at. I should have I should have prepped for that, but regardless, we as the readers of the Old Testament understand that Nathan is God's prophet. Nathan's the one that confronted David after the Bathsheba thing, and God speaks through Nathan. 
So whoever Nathan is with is the right choice. And so it is very telling that Nathan is not with Adonijah and instead is with Solomon. So Solomon's operating under the principle that he's the guy. And so that he's next and we're not going to have anything else. But, but yeah, we almost see like Nathan's not trusting David right now. It's, we did, we just see him. He's showing up. He's got a, he's got a plan because David must have this reputation that he doesn't discipline his kids. Number one, he's just kind of like an aw shucks kind of dad. Like, well, whatever happens, happens. What am I supposed to do? You know, they're adults. <laughs> they're gonna... be boys. <laughs> right. You know, like, I don't know what to do anymore. I, I, I thought that I knew the right thing, but you know, I, I can't say no to these guys. Or what? Yeah, this is a second, you know, attempted coup too. So he doesn't have the best track record. Exactly. And so David, it's, it's, it's like Nathan doesn't trust David. So Nathan's going to step in to make sure David makes the right move. And so, and so he's using whatever influence he can to make sure the king keeps his word. And so this is, I love how you pointed out, this is like a Game of Thrones situation. It's just, it's kind of without all the sex, at least right now without all the sex, but some of the, David's already had some sexual moments, but all right. So the next section we have 28 to 40. All right. The, the, then King David said, call in Bathsheba. So she came into the king's presence and stood before him. The king then took an oath. As surely as the Lord lives, who has delivered me out of every trouble, I will surely carry out today what I swore to you by the Lord, the God of Israel. Solomon, your son, shall be king after me, and he will sit on my throne in my place. Then Bathsheba bowed low with her face to the ground and kneeling before the king said, may my Lord King David live forever. King David said, call in Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah son of Jehoiada. When they came before the king, he said to them, take your Lord's servants with you and set Solomon my son on my own mule and take him down to Gihon. Then have Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him king over Israel. Blow the trumpet and shout, long live King Solomon. Then you are to go up with him and he is to come and sit on my throne and reign in my place. I have appointed him ruler over Israel and Judah. Benaiah son of Jehoiada answered the king, Amen. May the Lord, the God of may, may the Lord, the God of my Lord, the king, so declare it. As the Lord was with my Lord, the king, so may he be with Solomon to make his throne even greater than the throne of my Lord, King David. So Zidok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaiah son of Jehoiada, and the Carathites and the Pelathites went down and put Solomon on King David's mule and escorted him to Gihon. Zadok the priest took the horn of oil from the sacred tent and anointed Solomon. Then they sounded the trumpet and all the people shouted, Long live King Solomon! And all the people went up after him, playing flutes and rejoicing greatly, so that the ground shook with the sound. Well, Pancho, what are your thoughts here? All right. So, like, we were just kind of talking about it, 29 and 30, the king repeats his vow, or NLT says repeats. Your version said something, he swore an oath. But, uh, so we got a little clarification there from the text itself, too. Uh, the big thing that stood out to me in this section was, Solomon is to ride on my own mule. And it made me think a lot about our Lord riding into Jerusalem on the mule. And, uh, you know, uh, it's called the Palm Sunday type of thing. Like, you know, Jesus Christ rode on the, the colt. And here they make kind of two references to the text where he's riding in on a mule, too. Like, and then we've talked in church about, like, you know, conquering kings coming on the horse and the white horse of 
a victory, but here you see, kind of, I guess to me, whatever I thought maybe it was a little foreshadowing. Like you see King Solomon riding into uh, into his new kingdom on a mule, mm. and you actually get the whole like the and again maybe it just wasn't in the text, but you get the whole it plays out the whole anointing with oil and the blowing the ram's horn, and like the actual kind of ceremony of the king, not just uh, Adonijah's little staged uh, coronation type of thing. And what I read, obviously, we didn't pick up on as much until right now, like hearing you read it out loud, is it sounds like the people were celebrating this too. You know what I mean? You don't really, in the text, they don't really talk about like the people celebrating Adonijah's coronation. It's just him and his guys that, you know, his court he formed are off partying and celebrating. And, and but they're like, what's all this noise? What's going on now? Why are the people, you know, all... Uh, playing flutes and shouting for joy and celebrating and it's the people that are rejoicing for Solomon who is the real king which I thought was kind of cool I didn't pick that up on my first read through but like he just had his court celebrating and here everyone's rejoicing it sounds like whereas in that section of read it's thunderous or whatever yeah I, I just I just looked in a second Samuel chapter 12 and David's first child with Bathsheba died as kind of punishment for the whole adultery and murder, all that kind of stuff. But then they got pregnant again and they named the child Solomon. And the text says, and the Lord loved him. And then the Lord mm. gave Solomon a special name, you know, Yedidiah, Jedediah, like loved by the Lord. So it's like, if, if we think of, of God's love from a covenant standpoint, like a Jacob, have I loved Esau, have I aided? It's not so much emotional but it's choice. And so God's sovereign covenant choice is to choose Jacob and not choose Esau. And so a covenant love or a covenant hatred. So here, and the Lord loves Solomon in second Samuel. So, so Solomon is clearly God's next choice. So that would be, exactly. and Nathan's involved with that. So I couldn't find, so if there's another, so if, if you're listening to this podcast, you're like, well, big red, you forgot this one. Yeah, I did. I, 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 if I, if I missed one, <laughs> Well, David actually said it, then I missed it. I was just checking his last words. I didn't see anything. I knew Solomon will be, yeah. So my my bad. Yeah, but but I I. In, but in, coming in, from I, God is is pretty good too. You know, we'll take after it. the birth of Solomon, Solomon immediately is loved by God, and so that is just right away. So so yeah. So we like we like seeing that, um, you know, David does the right thing. So that's. Okay, so he started off being kind of weak and feeble, but then he received direction well. So good leader, were, good leaders are good followers. And so he was a good follower here. And he first off didn't make the best decision, but when he, when he had an opportunity, he made the right decision. So he did the next right thing. And that's obviously a, you know, a good thing here. Um, and yeah, I, I love how you pointed out the mule. And so the king riding on the mule, this is the next big thing there. And yeah, and so we, and we, we, we look at, you know, the, the, the triumphal entry of Jesus riding on that mule kind of thing. I think, okay, there's something going on here um, with the king and, and the son of David, etc. Um, I wonder, I haven't looked into the Hebrew there, but I, I wonder as they were talking, they, they kind of used this Hebrew wordplay with, you know, Yahweh and Adonai, like the Lord and my Lord. And there's some mm. fun, you know, and my Lord, the king, but, you know, the Lord, you know, Yahweh. So it's kind of a cool moment there. All right, so we're going to continue next. It looks like he did the right thing. 
Um, you know, when confronted with his failures, David, you know, he accepts his responsibility and he seemed to use his final moments of royal authority to direct the anointing of Solomon as king. So that was a good moment. So the last little bit of influence he had, he used. All right. So 41 to 53. Um, Adonijah and all the guests who were with him heard it as they were finishing their feast. On hearing the sound of the trumpet, Joab said, what's the meaning of the noise in the city? Even as he was speaking, Jonathan, son of, Ab son of Abiathar, the priest, arrived. Adonijah said, come in, a worthy man like you must be bringing good news. Not at all, Jonathan answered. Our Lord King David has made Solomon king. The king has sent with him Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, the Carathites, and the Pelathites, and they have put him on the king's mule. And Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet have anointed him king at Gihon. From there they have gone up cheering, and the city resounds with it. That's the noise you hear. Moreover, Solomon has taken his seat on the royal throne. Also, the royal officials have come to congratulate our Lord, our Lord King David, saying, May your God make Solomon's name more famous than yours, and his throne greater than yours. And the king bowed in worship on his bed and said, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has allowed my eyes to see a successor on my throne today. Wow. At this, all Adonijah's guests rose in alarm and dispersed. But Adonijah, in fear of Solomon, went and took hold of the horns of the altar. Then Solomon was told, Adonijah is afraid of King Solomon and is clinging to the horns of the altar. He says, let King Solomon swear to me today that he will not put his servant to death with the sword. Solomon replied, if he shows himself to be a worthy man, not a hair of his head will fall to the ground. But if evil is found in him, he will die. Then King Solomon sent men and they brought him down from the altar. And Adonijah came and bowed down to King Solomon. And Solomon said, go to your home. Wow. How does this story end, Pancho? <laughs> yeah. So again, you get the, the people rejoicing, the... The fake court of Adonijah kind of scattering, fleeing. I get to, I just pictured it was like verse 49, just uh, an NLT. It says that all the guys jumped up in a panic from the banquet table and quickly scattered. It looks like roaches, you turn the light off or on, just running for it. Because, and again, just it just seems like they knew they had a false king. They were setting up a false kingdom. And, you know, once the, the good news came out and everyone's rejoicing and King David's praying over his, his son, Solomon, making him king, he's got the anointing. These guys just realize, like, hey, this is this is a fraud we're doing here. And they, they all just run. What uh, my question for you was, and I'm sure this has been answered somewhere, but uh, rushing to the sacred tent and grabbing the horns, that's like kind of like sanctuary you hear like in more churches in the future like you know it's like a safe place like it's a temple right you shouldn't do violence to the temple is that the kind of thing or not the temple at the time really. i guess we're getting there but uh the tent they had for meeting but uh, it's just like a, it would probably be the whole the, the most holy spot a king could go yeah he wasn't the priest able to go in before the ark or anything like that because the ark of the covenant existed then so and he wouldn't be able to go in and grab the holy of holies, right? Yeah. Type of thing. He wouldn't be able to go jump on the mercy seat and say, "All right, what am I going to do?" You know, he, the God would just kill him. But he, but you know, it's interesting the fact that you know he did run, rush up, and only only the priests were really touching the, the altar, and so they, okay. 
part of the uh, part of their sacrifice was it was a dab blood because blood never went on the altar, but they could put it on the sides of the altar on the outside, and they sometimes would put blood on the tips of the horns that are above the altar. And here it's like that. So those are the holy spots there in terms of sacrifices. And that's where he went. So I, I think you nailed it there, Poncho. Like sanctuary. He's going there. It's like if you're gonna kill me, your my blood's gonna spill on the altar. Basically, it's like here mm. it is. It, it's, mm. it, but you know what? I, it's like I'm at, I'm at the king's mercy. But if he's gonna kill me, it's gonna be a very public killing. And you know, it's he didn't have many options, so that was an option. It, it made it front and center where Solomon's gonna make his choice. And Solomon, well, what do you think of his choice? It, 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 Pancho, do you see him being weak there, or do you see him showing grace? I, I think it's showing grace. I think it's a, it's a good choice. Like I said, if, if he proves his new story, and again, it's kind of taking a risk, you know, like at least maybe that earthly political intrigue or king's overthrow kind of thing, like would someone else have kept him alive? Like, is he a threat? You know, could he be considered a threat? Yeah, maybe. Like, he'd try to set up his own kingdom. <laughs> But it is a moment of grace, you know, like, hey, you know, we'll give him a shot. If he proves to be loyal, he won't be touched. But if he makes trouble, he will die. Like, that's about as fair as you can get, you know, like, this is your second. It's, uh, yeah, grace. It's a, a second chance. Like, hey, you screwed up. You can choose to play ball now, hop on the, the right train, and not a hair on your head will be touched. Or you can make trouble and you will die. Like, I, I think it's fair. Over more than fair, even. It's like you said, grace. It's, it's a graceful uh take to it a yes, lot of people wouldn't have done that you know when you and i have done that in, in the flesh like let this guy live even if just try to set you up and his mom was worried about them getting murdered earlier if he became king he said like we'll be taken out so there's a lot of lot of play there but that's a good way to put it it, it is a, a picture of grace that we get there in king solomon yeah it seems like adonijah's plan really counted on david being ignorant and david being weak like David, you're in your bed. You know you can't uh, do kingly duties. We even threw a hot a hot young girl at you, and you can't even rise to the occasion, as it were. So you're going to be politically impotent as well. So you're going to be physically impotent. You've got this reputation of impotence. So now it's almost like there's a there's a there's a sexual dynamic there. You can't you can't rise to the occasion in your bedroom. So you're certainly not going to be able to rise to the occasion in terms of your politics. And so. Adonijah is counting on David being impotent and ignorant and again like, and, and just and, and David being the kind of guy is like well what's done is done what am I supposed to do and see but at that, point, be boys. Hey, I guess at that point Adonijah's in and he's he's good and so truth when it comes out is just like this great cleansing thing and so now um so he really now that David's anointed Solomon David did the right thing Adonijah doesn't have any options so so if you were going to land the plane, Poncho, let's let's each of us kind of land the plane here today on on First Kings chapter one, and then we'll we'll kind of call it quiz today. I guess. What, what do you want our listeners to take from this chapter? Yeah, I mean, it seems like a lot. There's a lot of history, obviously, but I think to me, the foreshadowing and the just like the overall thought of of this man trying to set up his own kingdom and failing. And getting some grace at the end, like that's overall the picture of our lives too. And I think it's just good to see that, uh, you know, even though we, we all live our lives before we come to Christ, making yourself king of your life, um, it's not going to work out that way. And God's sovereign will will decide who is king in the end, right? 
Yeah, what stands out to me, I mean, David is not going to play much more in the, in the first Kings. So this is kind of, you know, David's last hurrah here. But kind of a sad picture of David at the beginning. But when David was confronted by God, by God's prophets or God's word, when God's word confronted David, David made a good decision. So I journey with people in counseling where they come to me with issues and God's word speaks clearly to their issue. And those people may have made a, 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 a huge many years of mistakes. They may have been a functional hypocrite. I know in my own story, I was a functional hypocrite for a lot of my adult life. But at some point, it's like the villain stops being the villain when the villain faces himself and is honest about a situation and then starts making the right decisions. And so when they're confronted by God's word and you start responding to God's word, that's what we see David doing here. So David has a good ending here. Where it is his last hurrah, like you said. Right? So <laughs> David came through, David kept his word, and David responded to God's intervention in his life. And David made a good decision, whereas before, David's decisions were kind of, you know, blah at best and somewhat wicked at worst. I mean, they, they, he made some really boneheaded moves there, and especially with his kids. He never was that father he could have been. But this was a moment where at the very end, he finally – so there's still hope, my friends. It's like, so keep reading your Bible. When God, when God's word, the Bible convicts you, respond appropriately. Own what you can own. Be intentional about what you should be intentional about. And we get that from David at the very end. It wasn't too late for David to, to do the right thing. And by God's grace, he did. Well, what a great opening chapter, Pancho. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we look forward to, to, uh, to the, our, next, our next time together. As always, this has been this has been Masterclass Theology from First Kings. I am Big Rev. And I'm Pancho. We'll see you next time, everybody. God bless. This has been Masterclass Theology. I pray you've been challenged and encouraged during today's episode. And I hope you'll continue to join us as we journey through the Bible. God bless.